Hello everybody and welcome to WTS174. My name's Danny Murray and not alongside me is Graham Merrow Merrigan. Cut a long story short, lads. Uh, technical difficulties this week were an absolute pain in the hole. So, what it means is I have to do a load of editing, including the intro and outro, which is why you don't hear Merrow's voice. Merrow's very hungover. Uh, on a Sunday morning, so I'm not asking him to do it because he's a liability to himself, to us, and quite frankly, the entire country right now. Um, I can't confirm or deny if it was a Tinder day he was on last night that's left him in such a state. I can't confirm or deny if it was some sort of dissident republic activities that had him out and left him in such a state. But anyway, you're stuck with me on the intro and outro. Uh, the good news is, though, there's plenty of marrow in the actual interview this week because we are joined by League of Ireland legend Alan Colley. Um We had Al on the podcast before and we got a great reaction to it. And with the SSE Electricity League due to kick off this coming Friday, we said, why not get him back on to give us a run through of uh, what his thoughts are on the league and the season ahead? So we did, and it was great crack altogether. And then technical difficulty struck. So. It's been a fucking pain in my hole, to be honest with you. It's been a nightmare trying to get this edited and and in some sort of state that you guys can listen to. If it sounds a bit weird or if it sounds like, uh, yeah, look, it is what it is. Apologies to you, the listener, and apologies to Al if it does come across. But I think I salvaged it mostly and I think I've got it in a shape that, look, it'll still... It's still well worth listening to, and Al obviously has great insight into the league. Obviously, haven't played in the league, but also um, covering the league as a broadcaster and as and just as a fan as well, he has some fairly strong opinions on things. But also, you know, they're backed up by knowledge and experience. So, well worth listening. And then, of course, Mero is just Mero. You know what I mean? You can't say anything about Rovers around Mero. It's just the way he is. Anyway, WTS one seventy four. Alan Cawley. This week we're joined by uh, RTE pundit and former League of Ireland great Alan Cawley. How are you, Al? How are you doing, Graham? Great, great. Uh, we're going to do a bit of a. We'll do. We'll cover League of Ireland and national all things national side. Um, wanted to ask you, Al, if if you're telling. Uh, oh, firstly, welcome. <laughs> I don't know if I said welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute Egypt, Jamiro. Welcome back, Al. <laughs> back I was just too excited that I'm talking about the the subject we're talking about. Sorry, Al. Welcome back to the show. <laughs> Thank, thanks very much, lads. It's good to be here. Good to talk to you as well in this new year of ours. And I'm looking forward to the season just as much as you are. Deadly. Um, now, my question was, I wanted to open it up with, if you were talking to a casual fan, casual football fan, not necessarily uh, a League of Ireland fan, but if you were trying to, if you were trying to explain to them what the greatest league in the world means, what would you say to them? The first thing I'd say is follow your Twitter account and Padre Flynn, and then you'll find <laughs> out what the greatest league in the world is all about. <laughs> Just a snapshot that will give you. Um, well, I suppose what makes the greatest league in the world, as we know, Graham, is probably the people involved, and it's kind of unique in in its own little way, and. People can be so passionate about it, like ourselves, who care a great deal about it. But I think what makes it unique as well is that people can be quite defensive of it because they care so much too. And sometimes I think that works for us massively, but it can work against us too because sometimes 
you're trying to entice people from the outside because um, we're always looking for new people to get involved and get, get following and get support in the league and we're always bigging it up because we know just how good it is and sometimes people tend to knock it as they do which we don't particularly like but I think we should get over the fact that if they don't, if they do want to knock it and they don't particularly want to be involved in it or like it, well then that's their choice and good luck to them. And we're 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 better off probably without them. Um, so I think that's what makes it unique in its own way. And I think Friday nights just wouldn't be the same. I've I've gone through the last four months sitting watching. God only knows the rubbish I'm watching on the telly, missing yeah. the Friday nights and going to grounds and seeing real life football and 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 kind of. Um, having that close association with lads involved and, and feeling part of something whether, you, whether you're playing on the pitch or whether you're in the crowd supporting the team and there's something very special about that I have to say uh, when you go and watch the games there is, there is there can be a sense of community as well can't there? Absolutely um, massively and especially where I'm from Sligo the, the football club is the heartbeat of the town um, and you could probably link that into so many other towns as well. And and then I suppose if you're if you're broadening it out to Dublin, uh, you are looking at communities like Tala with Shamrock Rovers. Obviously, St Pat's had a brilliant video up online today, all about yep. their community in Inchicore. And um, and the football club really can be that the bedrock of the community for people involved. Um, in so many instances, you look at Dundalk as well, Mad Soccer Town, and and you could argue. Do to have a great deal of else going on sporting wise bar the football team probably not so you could imagine uh, what the success has done for them over the past number of years and bringing people together as well it's just been fantastic Absolutely um, we've seen, you mentioned there the Pats video that, that went uh, live today and also Rovers had one last season and so the Bohemians isn't it a bit sad that we have to count on the clubs to put out their own content to promote themselves and the league I agree, I agree fully, Graham. Yeah, and uh, that's one thing that kind of shone through for me today as I was flicking through on Twitter. And obviously, as you say, the past video was brilliant, and so many people commenting on it. Um, also, the ones last year, as you also say, which are brilliant. And you're kind of thinking, and I and I saw a bit of criticism towards the league and and the RTE and different associations and organisations, and um, and that's what shone through for me as well. I'm thinking it's a week out. And there hasn't been one poster, one advert, one radio clip, anything promoting the league. And for me, it's quite sad uh, because it'd be a different story if the league was shut down for maybe six weeks. And even then, there's no excuse for it. But the fact that we've been shut down now for four months and you're always trying to, we spoke there earlier in the show about trying to entice new people. It's hard enough for people who were involved to, to stay kind of associated to it, only probably the love that keeps us keeps us linked to it but imagine for somebody who knows nothing about it and then you're shutting it down for four months and you're trying to keep people interested and you're basically having to start from scratch all over again like we don't really help ourselves to be honest with you was the break up four months out before it was before yeah yeah the cup final was what the 5th of November was it yeah, no, I know it's four months now, but let's, let's say when, when you were playing, when it wasn't summer football. Oh, sorry, was, sorry. Was uh, four months then? Never, Graham. no. I think the longest we went was probably two, two and a half months. It was never Jesus. four. I don't, I don't ever remember it being four, never. Um, even when I was playing, yeah. It was, it was kind of coinciding, I suppose, with, with the English football as well. It was roughly six weeks, two months, um, and then you were back at it again. Four months, like for the likes of whatever about the bigger clubs, obviously it's hard for them, but for the smaller clubs to be surviving in that climate, it must be so difficult for them. And to keep the whole show on the road, it must be so, so hard if you're going 
um, weeks on end with no football and literally the doors closed in the ground. It must be so hard because it's hard. Like when we, when we have the season up and running and you go, you see periods where clubs are three weeks, four weeks without a game and it must be very, very hard then in terms of paying players and obviously no gate receipts and different things coming in. Imagine going three and four months and having to keep the show on the road. Like it's very, very hard. It's crazy and it's not attractive to sponsors at all. No, absolutely, you know, absolutely. Is there anything to be said then, Al, as well for, and I get what you're saying, but the long break doesn't help anybody, but the league is due to kick off 15th of February, which is Friday, and here we are a couple of days out, and they're only doing the launch. Um, 12th of February, I think, is the official launch for the league. Do the FAI have to do more? Should they be building this up over a couple of weeks? Should they be using all the media channels available, including podcasts, like Greatest League in the World podcast, obviously being one, you know, Game On on 2FM being it, you know, like they need to use all these channels. Should this be a kind of staggered approach over a couple of weeks, building, 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 and then have kind of your your kickoff, your your curtain, curtain raiser, as it were, for the league? I, I just, I'm a little bit baffled by all of that. Yeah, I, I agree totally. And to me, it seems if you're doing it three days before the league, it's almost token gesture to just say, look, there, here it is, and we're kicking off Friday, and away we go. You have to be building up towards it. And, and, and that should have started two, three weeks ago. The, the launch of the league should have been two or three weeks ago, in my opinion. And then the promotional material comes out on the back of that. Like you see with any launch of a, of a product, that the, the promotional material comes off the back of the main launch that you have. So you have all the clubs and the captains, like what we'll see next week at the at the at the launch but that should have happened weeks ago and then let all the kind of uh, if you have as I say promotional activity whether it be uh, radio TV posters around the town whatever you want that should come off the back of the launch and build up and build up and build up and on the opening night then you're going bang here it is but to have it three days and like and the sad thing about this is we have these arguments every single year and the same things get said and you're right about the FEI like here we are and we're always crying and saying they should care more and they should be doing this and they should be doing that. And sometimes it almost gets to the stage where I nearly have to rein myself in and say, I don't want to be sounding too whingy and whiny all the time like a broken record. But can you blame me when, when, it, when it happens year after year after year? Like, it's just so frustrating. So with all that said, then, when people describe the, uh, the, the, the SC Artricity League as the problem child of the, the FEI, is that fair? Is that accurate? Well, the person who said that, yeah, he, he, exactly. yeah, he was he was the one who he was the like the the head man in the FEI, as you all know, John Delaney. That was the quote that he used. So I think when people refer back to that, he's the one that said it, and he's the one that's governing the the organisation, and he's the one that should be putting in terms of plans and structures. In my opinion, I've always said this, and they'll, they'll argue back that we are putting plans and structures in different areas, and they'll argue back about obviously um, the the National League now for the young fellas and starting off with 13, 15 and all them things we praise but there's still a whole lot more that can be doing as well in my opinion and this kind of stuff is really important the launch is massively important like if you're going weeks on end with no games and here we are now coming back coming back to the leagues kicking off next week and we're a week out and you have people all over social media saying God only knows that they haven't a clue that the league is starting and, if, and only further involved and in other clubs that it's starting. But for the casual fan, as Graham said, or for anyone you're trying to entice as a new fan, and I think the league has been on, a, on an upward curve as well over the last three or four years, 
Then you're coming off the back of um, Stephen Kenny getting the 21s job and him going on to manage the national team, which is absolutely huge news, the fact that he's coming from a League of Ireland background. And so we're all delighted about that. So all these are positive stories that you should be shouting and roaring about and promoting the league in the best way possible. And to me, it doesn't seem like awfully hard work to promote the league if you're coming off the back of these successes that I've just mentioned. It'd be a different story if we had none of these and it's a really, 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 really hard sell. And, and over the years, it has been a really hard sell. But slowly but surely, we're getting towards a, a, an area where I think it's, it's not as hard a sell. And certainly at this moment in time, off the back of all them things I just said, I don't think it's as hard a sell. And they should be promoting it far better than what they're doing. For sure. I mean, they, 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 the FBI have, they have a Facebook page with thousands of followers. They have an Instagram page with thousands of followers. And they have a Twitter page with thousands of followers. So... There's some marketing and promotion that you can do that won't cost anything. It's just it's the it's it's the matter of a tweet. Do you know what I mean? And and you just mm. don't see it. You only see it when the likes of uh, years remember years ago when Rovers made it in the group stages of, of the Europa League, and then they put up a tweet on Instagram. The same with Dundalk when they got to the group stages. They weren't really monitoring uh, the road to the group stages. It was just when they got to the group stages, and it's always an after afterthought. And mm. I mean, if we're talking like this about how easy it is to do it, I just I don't understand how there's no desire or need or, or want want to do it. They don't want. It just seems like it gives off the impression they don't yeah. want to promote it. Well, that's that's the perception, Graham, and we can only go on the evidence, as you say. And to me, the evidence is is staring us in the face. Um, that it's always reactive instead of proactive. They they talk a good game, but do to back it up. And you can only go on what we see. And to be fair. Uh, like I'd love to be sitting here telling you what about that brilliant uh, poster that's going round on the buses all over Dublin at the moment looking forward to the league that brilliant TV advert and what about all this stuff I heard on the radio today um, all the, two or three of the managers were quotes looking forward to the new season and everybody's so excited about it like I'd love to be telling you and talking about all these kind of things but we don't see any of it and as you said Graham, in a lot of cases and this has been proven by the clubs it doesn't take a whole lot of like they'll argue maybe finance it doesn't take a whole lot of finance to put together nice pieces and nice video footage. You have young fellas now who are mad into, obviously, technology and social media who will only be delighted to get involved and help out and do videos and cuff videos and edit videos for experiences and different things. Um, like, it's it just, like, as I say, I don't want to sound whingy and whiny. I'm really looking forward to the season, but it frustrates the life out of me. It's mind-boggling. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. And, and I suppose, look, the, the whole idea of this show is to kind of look at what's coming up in the league and and, to, and, and try, you know... Mm. Yeah, we want to look at it positively. As, mm. like, you, yourself and Merlo are massive fans of the league, obviously. I'm very much a blow-in. Um, well, on that. But for me, the positives that are there are, you know, increased media coverage. And, like, and again, to jump back on podcasts, but podcasts are talking about it more. You've got specific League of Ireland podcasts there. You know, um, game on the two of them obviously covers it well. Um, Soccer Republic covers it well. You know, attendances are up not by a huge amount, but they are going up from what I can see. You know, you've got players coming back from England and seeing the the, the League of Ireland as a real, real uh, opportunity for them to keep playing their trade and trade and keep playing football. You know, and there does seem to be kind of a raw emotion attached to the league that other leagues maybe don't have. Plus, you've got Stephen Kenny now, and you know, so I mean, look, there's so many positives Absolutely there. Absolutely, there's positives, and that's that's that makes it all the more frustrating in the sense that 
there's so mm. much good stuff that you could get on the back of. Like it's not, it's really not hard to be telling everybody how great Dundalk and what a brilliant team that they are and the success that they've had over the years. And now their manager has gone on and he's going to manage the 21s. And after that, he's going to manage our national team. Like that's a brilliant story to get on the back of. Then you have Cork City who've gone toe to toe with Dundalk. John Coffey's done a brilliant job since he's gone in there. They're averaging crowds of four and 5,000 every, every week at the games. Cork City have had a brilliant run of it. Their Shamrock Rovers doing brilliant work with their academy stuff. And you look at the, the development of the ground now, fabulous ground in Tala, and you're hoping that maybe this year they'll kick on and they could be the story this year if they were to go on and maybe challenge Dundalk. Waterford coming into the league last year from the first division, a bit of investment. All of a sudden, they're getting 2,000 at the matches and doing really well and pushing for Europe and finishing fourth. St. Pat's, had a bit of a rough time of it last year, ended up finishing fifth. But there's a whole new um, freshness around St. Pat's with Harry Kenny going in. As you said, the sign back Chris Forrester, the recruitment has been really good in the off-season. We mentioned that video today. So there's, there's more good news about St. Pat's. Bohemians doing brilliant work in the community. I go to Daily Mount a whole lot, as much as I can, if I'm not in Tala at the games. And brilliant work going on, in the, a real feel-good stuff going on with Bohemians outside the club and obviously on the pitch as well punching above their weight considering the resources they have albeit they've lost a few players now but can they can they replicate the seasons that they've had in the last two or three years with, with kind of newer members of the squad and again young lads coming back from England that Keith Long is given a chance so there are six clubs that, that are really good stories going on and everybody's looking forward to the season and and, and that's, that's as I keep going back to that's what just I don't, I'm not getting frustrated anymore there are six really good things let's, let's yeah. focus on them and, and but they are, but you, but you get the point, lads. You know what I mean? Like, there's really yeah, good stuff. Sliger Rovers. Well, Sliger Rovers, I'm, there's my own club, Sliger Rovers. Their accounts were released during the week, and you look at the fundraising efforts, you talk about how what a, what a club can do to a community. Sliger Rovers bringing in something like over 300 grand in fundraisers to keep the whole show on the road. Like, it's phenomenal what, what the support in that town, the people who go to the matches, the people who get involved in fundraisers, fellas selling tickets, having draws. Like, it's unbelievable the support in that town um, just to keep the whole show on the road. So, like, there's, there's a whole load of things. And, and I think people would welcome in support from the FBI. They'd only love it. But why there needs to be this divide from them against, like, as if it's them against us and against the clubs yeah. and we're not helping. And it just annoys me. And, and with, with Sligo, um, Al, um, there was a bit of a clear out, but there was also a good... Few, uh, few of the lads re-sign and then there was a couple of a couple of uh, there was maybe six or seven new signings as well and a new manager and a whole new backroom staff so that is a whole kind of they've been underachieving I think for the last couple of years haven't they? Yeah massively Graham yeah I suppose since the successes of when they won the league under Barclough and all and the cup and that and uh, a few years ago they have underachieved and it's been kind of a, a disappointing time particularly for the fans and last year was no different. Now, they ended up finishing, what was it, eighth, um, seventh in the end. But it was a disappointing season overall. And obviously, Jared Little lost his job. So, Lame has come in. And obviously, huge experience coming from Pats as well. And I think Lame needed a change also from Pats. I think it yeah. had gone a bit stale at St. Pats. Um, so, it's probably good for both, both parties there, St. Pats as a club and also for Lame. So, he's gone down to Sligo. I'm a bit worried about the recruitment, if I have to be honest with you, Graham. I know I was just going to say, there was, yeah. there's three signings there that are unknowns to our league. So I love, yeah. I sometimes love when unknowns come into our league um, and then they just, they're just they just brilliant. So, like you're saying, you're a bit disappointed. So, Brendan Ogbe has come in, uh, Romeo Parks and Dante mm. Leverock. 
all unknowns like yeah total unknowns and and you know yourself Graham from going to the matches going to the league speaking to lads this is a difficult league and it's tough and, and you're coming in from the outside trying to adapt to that and trying to get an understanding of it it's really really hard now hopefully these lads take to it but as you rightly say they're complete unknowns they started off the off-season, I thought, really well with the signings of Rona Murray and Dunleavy from Cork. And I'm thinking, all right, there's two really good signings. Hopefully now the recruitment will be better than what it's been in recent years. And Lane can bring in some more exciting players because he likes to play good football as well. And maybe we can have a really positive season. Since then, it all went quiet for three or four weeks. And obviously, they were only announced then, them couple of signings recently, the last few days. So I would be a little bit worried about them and where they're at at the moment squad-wise because there's a lot of young lads there. And obviously they lost Drennan. And Drennan's had a brilliant season with Pat. He's a huge loss as well. Massive loss because he came in last year and he effectively nearly probably kept them up. Well, I don't know if they were ever going to go down. Uh, there was a huge gap, obviously, to, to Brian Limerick. Yeah. But but he did do really well when he came in, to be fair to him. Reese McCabe is another one that lost to Pat. Really good player. Um so you'd be worried about the players the last Raph has gone, Lee Lynch has gone as well, Gary Boylan has gone to Cork. So there's six or seven players, like, and it's, it's to replace them as well. Whether you're bringing in players is good, I'm not so sure. So that, it would worry me, you have to say. Now, hopefully I'm wrong as a fan, and hopefully Liam does really well, but the off-season would worry me, because I'm looking at all the other clubs and the recruitment they're doing, and I think their recruitment has been a whole lot better than what's been at Sly Rovers. Sorry, Danny. Now, Romero, I was just going to ask you, because obviously you're a massive Rovers fan. I know you're a big Aaron Bulger fan. What do you make of uh, Aaron Bulger's move across the water to Cardiff? And it's only on loan. What, what, what's your thoughts on that, mate? Oh, I'm disappointed because I, I won't get to see him live anymore. But I think it's a great opportunity for him. And it, it was only a matter of time before Aaron Bulger went across the water. And I hope it works out for him. Um, but... I'm disappointed that we haven't uh, signed a striker. Now, it looks like we've signed an mm. Austrian striker, Orhan Volic, uh, who played in a, a friendly last week and scored against Calvin Thiele. Um, but again, it's an unknown. But at the same time, uh, you know yourself, Gary Twig was kind of unknown when he came to the League of Ireland. So I'm kind of hoping we uh, Orhan Volic will have the Gary Twig rub. Yeah, I think um, every centre every center forward of Shamrock Rovers have signed since Gary Twiggs have been hoping that. <laughs> but it's hard yeah. to get Gary Twiggs or Jason Burns or Glenn Crows. Like, that's why they command big fees and big money because the, the ones effectively who score the goals are the ones who are going to make the difference. And, and you look at Hoban, um, obviously at Dundalk as well, uh, Shawnee Maguire at Cork before that, they, they do make the difference. If you get a fella getting 20 goals, 25 goals, you'll be very close to winning the league. And I think that's what Shamrock Rovers' problem has been on top of a couple of other issues that they have addressed in fairness to them. Obviously, the goalkeeper issue, I had a big kind of issue with that. That's been addressed. You have Manus now. I think defensively, in the second half of the season last year, they were really, really good. Um, Lee Grace and Lopez looked as though they've built up a little bit of a partnership there. And I suppose the biggest thing with me, because I'm looking at them, and you're looking at the ones who can challenge Dundalk, and I think Shamrock Rovers have a really, really good chance this year. But the only little problem I have is... Like you said, Graham, they haven't signed a centre forward. I'm not sure Dan Carr is going to get you 20 goals, and that's no disrespect to him. He has a lot of good attributes, and he did okay when he came in last year. But is he going to get you 20 goals to fire you to a league title and overtake Dundalk? I'm not so sure. Well, considering as well, he plays a lot about uh, on the wing. Do you know, mm. he's been playing a lot out in the wing, and. Oh, and know. obviously they've, they've, they've let Shaw go as well now again he I don't think he was one to get you 20 goals so I can see maybe why he's moved on 
but certainly I was sure because they've, they've really good additions in midfield. I'm really excited to see Jack Byrne coming into the league. Uh, really exciting talent. And, and if you're talking about trying to entice people to games, like he'll put bums on seats. He's a really, really exciting talent. As we all know, only two, three years ago, people were talking about him hopefully going on to play for Ireland. So it might be a chance for him to kickstart his career. Um, Aaron McAniff from Derry, I'm a fan of as well. I think he's a really good signing. It's just going to be interesting to see how he fits them all in because he the fits them all in. I was just going to say because against yeah. against uh, Cove Ramblers, um, Roland Finn was playing at, at a bit of an advanced role, kind of, kind of just up front a bit. And I was mm. kind of thinking, looking at the setup, I was kind of going, is he going to start Roland Finn up front? Um, well, but Jack Bourne looked absolutely amazing against Cove Ramblers. Like amazing, as in he just had that bit of spark about him, that bit of. Mm. Um, I don't know what God, I'm trying to say. Maybe like that kind of international look about him. I don't know if the if the if Air League or the English League is good enough or not good enough for him, but it's it's suited to him. You're probably looking at the Dutch league or because he was over in Holland, wasn't he? Yeah, he was in Holland and he was a revelation over in Holland, and everyone was mad about him. And, and as you say, it's probably a more technical league, so maybe that's why he reveled in it. But um, I think him coming back into the league, that's going to be the interesting thing. Is obviously how Stephen fits them all in because you've Ronan Finn, McAniff, Dylan Watts, Byrne, Bulger. Uh, Greg Bulger, um, you've you've young Brandon Cavanagh, young fella breaking through who I was really impressed any time he played last year. So you'd hope Sam he Bond might feature well. a bit. Sam Bone played the midfield. So it's gonna be it, that's gonna be the interesting thing. On paper they look really strong in midfield, but it's just fitting them in and getting the right balance amongst players. And the key thing for me though is is the centre forward. And you look at them in the last two years since Stephen has come in they were 22 points off Cork the first his first full season and last year they were 25 points off Dundalk like that's far too big a gap for Shamrock Rovers so this is the year I feel as though Stephen he's had his bedding in period it's more than a bedding in period he's been he's snugly under the duvet now at this stage um, so so I think he has to deliver and he has to be challenging the league uh, to, to really push on and try and overtake maybe Cork and really push Dundalk I'm not saying that, go and win the league, but I definitely think he needs to put up a serious challenge. Absolutely. And as Danny was saying there, Aaron Bulger's move to Cardiff, what did you make of that? It was an interesting one for me, Graham, because it kind of came out of the blue a little bit. Because again, when Aaron uh, broke into the team, I really liked him. And I remember going to see him in the EA Sports Cup, albeit he got sent off. But for an hour in that match, he was brilliant. And I remember doing a little, little bit of analysis on him on Soccer Republic because I really liked... Um, everything that I saw in terms of how he received the ball and the back footy all at the time and space. A good little player, really talented, obviously doing very well at international level youth as well. But for some reason, it, it was probably passing him by the chance to go to England because maybe his size or maybe people viewed him like that. I'm not so sure the reasons. But all the lads he probably was playing in the international squad with were probably moving away and getting removed. And he probably felt a little bit, um, where's my chance? But thankfully, he's gotten his chance. Now, from Shamrock Rovers' point of view, it's a funny one because you loan him out. Like, if Cardiff really want him, why don't you just sign him and take him? Now, I think his contract is up at the end of this, is it the summer? So, it's a funny one. I'm not so sure, like, how it's been played out. But um, in terms of the young fella getting a chance to go away anyway, it's a really good opportunity for him. Did sign for the year. I know he signed for the 2019 season. So I think the whole deal is that he will go straight into the under 23 development squad in Cardiff City, and they'll have a look at him maybe throughout the course of the season and see if he's see if they want him. Yeah, like well, the whole model that I that I was kind of of the understanding with Shamrock Rovers now with the academy and all, and you see with Bazunu is that they could tie these young players down. 
to, to long-term contracts. And if they did, if a club did come in for them in England, you could command maybe two hundred grand or two hundred and fifty grand. Not like mm. gone are the days where you'd be just fifteen grand or twenty grand, like we've seen, or sixty grand with Seamus Coleman. Like I thought, Shamrock Rovers now with the academy, you'd, you'd you'd be putting yourselves in a position that if you were developing a young fella over three, four, five years, and then someone in England came in for him at twenty when he was twenty, twenty-one after playing a hundred games. That to say, okay, he's 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 under contract for two more years. We've developed him. We want two hundred grand for him, you know. And no, that, no. that's the model that I thought they were working off. But then they're letting, letting this young fella off on loan. It just seems a bit of a bizarre one to me. But in terms of the in terms of the young fella, best of luck today, kid. I hope he does really well because it's a great opportunity for him. Lads, uh, I'm going to try annoy Marrow a little bit here. <laughs> um, Bowls. <laughs> What what do you make of Bowles? How they got on over the off season and that um, a lot of players in a uh, bit of a one in it's one. Been kind of, it's been about yeah. ten and only a few in. Oh, it hasn't, man. It's been a few in, a few out. <laughs> yeah, but they. Well, you're only saying that because we we signed that Sunderland keeper that you were after a while ago. James Talbot. We weren't after you're James right, Talbot. Talbot with, with Talbot. Yeah, you were. Yeah, you were. They lost a great player in Ian Morris to Shells. I thought that was a huge loss. They lost a great keeper to the retirement chain, Subble. They lost Dan Bourne, Oscar Brennan, Dan Kelly, all really, really good, promising players. Um, so, it's like, uh, Al, it's like with Bowes, it's like it's like Keelong has to start again with all these unknowns. Like, he's brought in, he brought in Daniel Mandrew from Brighton under 23s. Um, Connor Levinson from Wolves. Like, it's all these unknowns. He's got good contacts. I'll give him that. Yeah, it's um, I'd say it's probably frustrating for Keith as well because after I suppose Bowes get a lot of kind of good comments and good publicity, and I think um, a lot of it is down to Keith and Trevor last year because where they found themselves, particularly in the second half of the season, they were having a really strong kind of second half of the season, and obviously the cup semi final, and we all know and down there, and everybody, well, a lot of people probably would have liked them to get to the final maybe, and, and particularly after maybe not you, Graham, but a lot of people might have liked to see them get to the final, but particularly off the resources he was working with, you know, um, part-time setup, obviously, and limited budget compares to maybe the top team. So I always felt he was punching above his weight and doing a really good job. And as I, as the team was developing and progressing, particularly towards the second half of last year, I thought to have the makings of a really, really good team. And I remember going in the end of the season to play Dundalk, and it was the last day of the season. Now, Dundalk were getting ready for the cup final. But Bowes, I'm nearly sure they beat them 2-1. And it was a brilliant match. And it didn't have an end-of-season feel to it all. It actually felt like a, a really top-of-the-table type clash. And I came out of the ground saying to myself, Bowes have the makings of a really, really good team here. And hopefully they can all stay together, add another two or three. And who knows, maybe next year they could push on again and maybe look for Europe. And then a week later, I'm reading Shane Supple's retired. Morris is gone. Dan Byrne is gone. Um, <laughs> Dan Kelly. All these players. And I'm saying to myself, the whole spine of the team is gone, like in one swoosh. <laughs> and as you said, he's, it's like as if Keith is starting all over again with a lot of unknown quantities, lads coming back from England, uh, good opportunities for them to revive their career again, maybe. And who knows, you, you could unearth one or two like really good, uh, outstanding young players. But it must be really difficult for Keith. So I'm looking forward to see how he manages all that because one thing as well with him, Two things, I suppose. He does have a good eye for a player and he recruits well. But also, they've created a brilliant little spirit in Bowes, both on and off the pitch. And that's one thing that's carried them through as well. Because you look at, the, the I suppose, the characters that he has in the dressing room and Derek Kender and Supple and they're real united. 
Um, when you take five and six fellas out of that now, and obviously Supple would have been a big leader in that dressing room, can he recreate that atmosphere again and get that unity amongst them? That's going to be difficult as well. So um, it'll be interesting to see how to pan out this year. So Sam Bourne is an interesting signing from Dundalk as well, I think. Yeah, again, like that could be a chance for a young fella. Obviously, things didn't work out for him across the water. He comes back very hard to get into the Dundalk team, as we all know. Didn't really feature much. But here he'll get a chance to play, um, obviously going to bowls. And it could be a chance for a young fella. All of a sudden, he gets eight, ten games under his belt. If he hits the ground running, maybe scores a couple of goals. Who knows? It could. And that's the beauty with the league here. And I suppose, especially, it, it gives young fellas chances, especially as hard and all as we know it is in England now to make it in England and, and, and people going across. And it's very, very difficult. So when lads do come home, there's a real opportunity for, for young fellas here to, to revive their career, start all over again, with the opportunity of maybe going back across the water if you've all of a sudden done very well here, as we've seen with, with fellas in the past, and obviously Graham Burke last year and Shawnee Maguire and all these young fellas that, that they went away, didn't pan out for them, came home, done really well at their clubs and got the opportunity to go again. That, that's, that seems to be the... Like a lot of the lads, they're not they're not getting, they're not getting too disheartened when they come home from England because they know they have that chance of doing it again. Like you said with Graham Book, um, I, I just the, while while we're on lads going or, that are doing well abroad, what about uh, Jay O'Shea at Berry? Ah, uh, Jay, I was mad about Jay Graham. You know, I used to love Jay when Jay broke into the team at Bray, young fella. I was so mad about him. He was absolutely brilliant, so talented. I thought this young fella has a serious chance. Now, he's carved out a really good career for himself and doing, doing well, uh, forging a career across the water. But I actually thought he had the ability to maybe go on and play at a higher level. He did have that ability. And look, for one reason or another, it doesn't work out or you go to a place and the manager doesn't like you or whatever. I'm, I'm not 100% sure in terms of the reasons behind Jay's thing because I've lost contact with him since he's gone away. But certainly when he broke into the Bray team, I thought he was an outstanding talent. Went to Galway. It was a revelation, I remember, at Galway. Uh, yep. playing centre forward got his move and I'm delighted to see that he's carved out a little career for himself over there because there's a lot of young lads like that Graham to go away and they might not hit the highest level but they do carve out careers you look at Park Ammon during the week carving out a great career for himself oh, in the lower league well. scoring goals you see the lads Adam Rooney Owen Doyle as you said Adam Rooney now at Salford uh, Gaffney that was at Limerick he's at Salford as well Owen Doyle so there's a lot of lads that and you like look at Burke at the moment He's gone on loan now, is it to Gillingham? So hopefully he gets regular games. Powell at, at Rotherham. It's good just to see them. The important thing is that they're playing every week. There's nothing worse than being away in England at a club and you're not playing and you're surplus to requirements and you're just hanging around. Get out and play. If you're not going to feature in the first team at the club you're at, go somewhere else where you're going to play. Um, and to be fair to Jay, yeah, I'm delighted for the young fellow because he was always a great wee kid as well. Do you think um, with Dundalk now losing Stephen Kenny, um, they had a few players depart as well. Uh, Dylan Connolly, Stephen O'Donnell retired, uh, Gabriel Sava. Um, do you think? Do you think there will be a bit of a, a negative effect to that now, or do you think uh, Perth will get them going? I was wondering when you were going to ask me this question, Graham, and it's a great question because I genuinely feel. Well, it's going to be so interesting viewing how this is going to pan out now, but I definitely feel it has to have some impact. Now, Vinny, the continuity with Vinny going in, I think, was the right move because obviously Vinny's been there with the group throughout all Stephen's time and he knows the players inside out um, and he gets on very well with them. And he was a huge factor 
on top of Stephen Kenny in the success that they had as well. Everybody obviously focuses on Stephen and he was driving it. But Finney was doing a lot of great work as well behind the scenes and on the coach and pitch and all that kind of stuff. So I like the fact that they've given it to Vinny and the continuity is there, but it's bound to have some sort of impact because Stephen was the voice and was driving the whole thing and creating the environment and creating the standards and all that kind of stuff that we talk about with Dundalk. Um, and that relentlessness that once the win won, that was never enough. We want to go again and we want to go again and we want to go again and the hunger that was there. So he was obviously the main driving force with that. You'd like to think it will continue and obviously it's more or less the same group of players. So it's not like years gone by where they've always lost two or three best players and you're trying to replace them. They've kept Duffy, they've kept Hooban, they've kept Chris Shields, they've kept Robbie Benson, all their best players from last year. So they're primed to go and win it again and You'd be you'd be mad in the head to back against them, but it will just be interesting to see how it plays out in terms of the new man now with Vinny and John Gill going in, uh, and how the dynamic will be now with him as the manager more or less, uh, and and amongst the players rather than him being kind of the assistant and Stephen driving the whole thing. So I think it's really really interesting how it's going to play out. Oh, oh lads, what what about then the the new boys in the league, the the guys who have been promoted in UCD and Finn Harps? What about their signings, Finn Harps, uh, UCD, both coming up, both. You know, the, uh, I don't know how it'll get on. That's yeah, Catarro signed for them. That's a great sign. Catarro, yeah, yeah, yeah. Finn Harps has signed a good few, yeah, yeah. Um, and and there's there's a man who I love to see involved in the league. Um, obviously the fact that they went down and all, and they've they've come back now, Finn Harps, and and it's just you look at them, UCD, Collie O'Neill as well, who've done an unbelievable job. Um. At UCD, and obviously I, w- I watched them against Dundalk in, in the Cup last year up in Dundalk. They probably they gave Dundalk one of the best games I've seen anyone give them. They were absolutely brilliant, so they were. And they won the league as well. And Collie, again, I spoke to Collie a lot towards the end of the season. And he changed things up. In the first two or three years, he was bringing in lads from the outside and trying to maybe um, just bring in that bit of extra quality he felt on top of a lot of the young lads. And then he says, no, in the, in the last year, he says, I'm just going to work with the squad that I have with all the young lads that are going to the going to the college who are around each other every day of the week and it's worked out brilliantly for him and he says the dynamic that was created amongst them all and they were hanging around with each other and there was that unity and spirit amongst them on top of the fact that they're really good players as well um, he, he was so impressed with that and, and obviously the proof is in the pudding with them going on to win the league now they've lost Loggett so I think he's going to be a big loss he's gone to Derry which was a bit of a surprising move for me but and they've lost Darrell O'Connor has gone to Cork but I still think they'll hold their own. I think UCD will be fine. Finn Harps as well. Um, obviously, they, they've signed a good few lads as well, and you'd hope that they'll make a, make some sort of an impact in the league as well. But it'll be difficult for them because there is a gulf. There's a big gulf um, when you're coming up from the first division to the Premier Division. But I, I think the two of them, I think they'll be competitive. I don't think it'll be a case of what we seen with Bray last year, just cut adrift and and the whipping boys. I think these two will it'll be more competitive than what Bray and Limerick were last year. Al, you were at UCD before. What is the situation there? I've never really delved into it in as far as signings or the, the students. When you were there, what was it? Was it majority students, or you would just come back from England and you went to UCD? Yeah, I was just back from England, and Paul Doolan it was to signed me. And at the time, um, there was a few students, but it was a lot, of, a lot of lads from from the outside as well. So it was. Um, but Paul was always trying to improve things and better things and bring in better lads. But I suppose the constraints that the club were confined to and what they were working off, Paul was probably always at loggerheads with them over that. And they were kind of just willing to willing to work within 
how they view things in terms of a lot of uh, scholarship. Should, should that not be through. the understanding going into UCD that there won't be a budget? But I think it's changed over the years. Uh, that was different right. back then, but they've gone totally now, um, obviously scholarship lads, because they weren't prepared to spend, I suppose, any extra money on bringing lads in from the outside. So I think since Collie's gone in, it's been, as I say, the first couple of years there was. I remember Brian Shortall, he brought in Jason Byrne, a couple of lads. But definitely last year, he was just willing to work off scholarship lads and the squad that he had. And he thinks that's the model going forward. And who's to argue with him when you see how good they were last year? And he said he's going to stick with that this year, despite them getting promoted. He said, I'm going to stick with that 100%. And it'll be interesting to see how they get on. But I think they'll be competitive, as will Finn Harps, because, as I mentioned, Ollie Horgan has done quite well in, in his recruitment. And one thing I love about Ollie, the fact that he's a character, but one thing I love about him is he absolutely works himself to the bone. And yeah. I'm at a lot, lot of matches myself going to games, but everywhere I go, if Finn Harps are not playing, you bump into Ollie Horgan and he's watching matches and he's checking up opposition. And I think he's, uh, I think he's great for the league, Ollie, and I'm delighted to see him back as well. He's like the League of Ireland fan, Tom, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> There's no one like Tom in the league, is there, Graham? Tom, Tom, the legend. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, again, if you're sorry, but if you're if you're talking about marketing tools, Tom could be on a badge somewhere as the face for the league. <laughs> legend, Tom, absolute legend. I'll uh, just ask for a second. Were you, were you at UCD when Darren Quigley was there? Yeah, yeah, Quigs, great goalkeeper, Quigs. Well, I, I don't know if you you've seen her or not. I've seen him on Twitter and that, and I agree with Quigs, yeah, great great goalkeeper. And um, but what what do you make of the whole situation that he's having to fight with Bray and? That whole thing being dragged out. Mm. I'm not sure myself. Yeah, I've obviously I've I've seen a few of the tweets, Darren, and it's a shame that it's got to that. But I think fair play to him for fighting his corner and fighting his cause because he's literally fought tooth and nail, and and only only to get what he's due. Like you know what I mean? Like it's ridiculous yeah. that it's gone this far, and he's only fighting for what he's due. And I I as I suppose I played with Darren. I used to get on very well with Darren actually when I played with him and he's a really good goalkeeper. Really, really good. Um, and it, it is a shame to see the way it's gone, especially when he went back out to Bray's local team as well and the way it all ended out there and obviously he's had to fight for money and, and it's not nice when you see a fella having to go public and go on Twitter and social media and, and be putting tweets up and stuff. It's probably not nice for him but he felt he probably no, had no other option to do but to do it. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. He's had no option. He probably felt he had no other option. Do you think the FEI are responsible for the, the, the payments because they give out the licences? Or do you think... Well, like, does that have anything to do with the new owners at Bray, Noel O'Driscoll or not? I don't think so, no. I'm not 100% no. sure, uh, to be honest. I think it's from the previous regime. But I suppose the argument Darren was making was how can they get a licence if they've still this stuff outstanding? So you're probably getting into legalities and technicalities and all that kind of stuff. And unless you know the story, but certainly the fact that he's had to fight tooth and nail for us, it's yeah. pretty sad, really. Like, yeah, it's crazy. Um, Pats have Rovers legend in now, Harry Kenny, and they've signed a load of Rovers players. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think they're going to be a surprise this season because Harry, as we've seen what he did with Bray, and he's made great signings. Mikey Drennan, I would have taken him back at Channel Rovers considering we're looking for a striker. Um, Gary Shaw won't let you down he probably as you said earlier he probably won't let, get you 20 plus goals but he's he's he won't let you down Chris Forrester is an unbelievable signing as far as I'm concerned yeah everything you say Graham I agree totally I agree 100% because Pat's um, 
they've probably made the most eye-catching signings of the of the off-season. When you look at Forrester coming in, Reese McCabe as well is a brilliant signing from Sligo Rovers. Technically, he's very good. Um, Drennan is massive signing as well. The fact that the, all the talent that we knew Mikey had, and obviously he had his own personal problems, but the fact that he came back rejuvenated Sligo Rovers last year, scoring goals. I'm surprised nobody else, as you said, the likes of Shamrock Rovers crying out for centre forward that nobody went back in for him because um, he's a serious talent, Mikey. I watched him last week against um, Shelburne in a pre-season friendly pass and Mikey Drennan scored two crackers and he scored again the other night in the friendly against that loan. So he's having a great pre-season. I spoke to Harry Kenny about him as well and he said he's absolutely flying it in training. So, and there was a real buzz about Harry when he was talking to me about the players as well and Harry's really looking forward to Pat and the job and so much of this job so much in the league as well uh, Graham comes down to your recruitment and I think as I said already Pats have made the most eye-catching signings and have made the best recruitment in the league in the off-season so far Big time Do you think um, when the Pats job was made available do you think Keith Long was, was targeted or do you think it was something that he could have walked into because there's a lot uh, of rumours on it was it was his to turn down, but I'm not sure if that's true now. But I'm just reading yeah. tweets. <laughs> I know, ah, them tweets. Stay away from them tweets. I know, I know. Unless they're from Padjo Flynn. <laughs> <laughs> but um, to see, see Padjo's response oh, to Alan Brogan. Brilliant. I retweeted it today and liked it, and I wanted to. They should come up with an emoji where you can do like hugs and kisses and all instead of just likes. Because <laughs> <laughs> I would have given Padjo a big hug and a kiss for that one. Um, I, I texted him yesterday and I said did you see Alan Brogan's tweet and he goes yeah I'm halfway halfway through to replying <laughs> I said I'll leave you to <laughs> it was a brilliant reply what Alan Brogan's thinking Ash look that's for another day I'm not sure but yeah. it was a bit of, bit of a snidey bit tweet of you know, I have to say yeah it was there was no need for it really like whatever his argument is over the dubs there's no need to bring the League of Ireland into it like you know but, but yeah, anyway. back, to, back to Pete Long do you think because of budget restraints um, he's done a great job um, do you think you know there, there's other bigger jobs for him at a bigger club? Well, that, that's I mean, I'm sure if you were to speak to Keith, that's his aspiration as well, and that's no disrespect to Bohemians. But at some point, he probably has to say to himself, if they're if if Bowles are prepared, and I think from speaking to a lot of the lads, and and I actually compliment a lot of them on what they're doing, uh, the people running the club, they do brilliant work. But I think um, they've publicly made it clear that they're not prepared to put the club in, in any sort of danger by going back full-time and, and spending silly money that they're quite happy with the model that they have. So Keith is obviously happy to go along with that as well and things are going progressing nicely there with them. But maybe if you were to keep finishing fifth and sixth and, and people pl- applauding your work and, and saying you're punching above your weight, I'm sure it's only a matter of time before some, some of the other big boys maybe come in. Uh, now you could argue last year, if Pat were the one coming in for him, why would you move? Because I felt Bohemians were a better team than Pats last year. But yeah. then then you get into an argument with our Pats a bigger club and do they have more resources and the fact that they're full-time, would that be kind of an attraction for Keith? And maybe that might have been. But I don't know. I think he's happy at Bohemians um, from what I can see. I think he just signed a new 3RD last year with them. So he is he is obviously happy. He's Trevor there as well who does great work with him and the two of them work well together. So it's 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 the only thing with, with Bo's and I'm a huge fan of their work. The only thing with Boz and Keith, from Keith's point of view, it probably is frustrating. And as we mentioned on, earlier in the show, he's, it probably feels like he's starting from scratch all over again. And that can be frustrating because when you build up a team and you get to a point where you kind of feel, okay, 
I have seven or eight lads here who are really good and we've the makings of a team. And maybe if I get two or three more in, we've we've a chance of maybe really pushing on. And then you lose five of them. That must be really, really kind of frustrating. And Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And they lost Owen Stokes as well, I forgot, about to Derry City. He's gone to Derry, yeah. Um, so, yeah, but, it, but, but as we said, like, he does recruit well, so... Maybe some of these lads coming back from England, it's a real... He's done well to hold on to Leahy, the left full as well. I'm a big fan of him. I thought he would have moved on, but he's a, he's a really, really good player. Um, and even, like, I suppose, going back to our chat with Dundalk and Cork and earlier and Shamrock Rovers and all, I genuinely, and with Pats, I suppose, with the recruitment they've made, I think it's going to be far more competitive, the league, than it has been in the last three or four years. I can see even Cork dropping out of the top two and maybe Shamrock Rovers or Pats pushing them and who knows, can someone can someone push Dundalk? Hopefully they can this year with the whole Stephen Kenny development and him moving on. Maybe they won't be 15, 20 points clear of the rest this year. And I think it will be more competitive than what we've seen in the last three or four years. What makes you think Cork will drop out of it? Well, you look at the signings again, I go back to recruitment and they've lost Sadler, who's a massive player for them. Um, Damon Delaney, I know he's gone to Waterford, he didn't feature that much, but um, I think Sadler's a huge, huge bear for them, and to, to lose him, now they've held on to a good lot of the lads in midfield, but I think Barry McNamee is a big loss as well, even though I don't think he was utilised properly uh, last yeah. year with Cork City, um, so I think he's a big loss. But you look at the players they brought in this year, Dan Casey, centre-half, he had a decent season at Bowes, Boylan, ordinary players, Sligo Rovers, Comerford, done okay at Waterford, Darrell Connor done okay UCD but none of them are statement signings for me in what you need to be trying to overtake a Dundalk um, yeah. now John will argue he argues a lot I think over resources <laughs> and budget but, but they're, they're getting 5,000 at the matches <laughs> they're getting 5,000 at the matches so their budget can't be that bad no, um, but I, I just I think, think I think I think they might drop out of the top two this year with, and I'm just uh, Barry McNamee went back to Derry, but I was at the time it happened with Kenny Shields. I was a bit shocked that he was let go by Derry. Yeah, ma- massively I because I don't think I'm the results were going his way. But I mean, all the anytime you listen to him in an interview, he was talking about youth and the future and stuff like that. So I thought maybe this guy's results aside, maybe his job secure for another season or two. And then lo and behold, a week later he was gone. Oh, Shields you're on about, not Barry McNamee. No, Shields. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, I thought I thought I I could see it coming, Graham. I, I really could. Yeah. I thought there was there was a lot of discontent uh, towards the end of the season there, and I remember the, the stuff over the ticket prices in Europe and um, and just towards the end, yeah, they were conceding goals left, right, and centre. Like Derry conceded. Do you know how many goals Derry conceded last year? Many. Seventy. Should we? I Seventy think we goals. Six nil. I think we beat them in, in Tallaght. Yeah, that's a, there was so many pace things like that because when the wheels came off, they literally absolutely were rolling down the road and the truck was just left there. Like it was just unbelievable. Some of the games that I watched with Derry and Shields was all about the attack and play, which was grand. And I thought he was a breath of fresh air when he came into the league. But they were so open and exposed in so many games. And like the finish, they ended up finishing just ahead of Limerick and Bray for a club of Derry City size. I, I think they, they, they needed to be higher up the table than that. So I could see him going. I'm delighted to see um, Declan Devine obviously going in there. And we know Decky from uh, the work, obviously, with Soccer Republic. So he's a really good fella. Loves the club, loves the city as well. Um, so him going back in, I think it's absolutely 
brilliant news for Derry City. He was doing good work with Michael O'Neill as well while he was out of the picture in the League of Ireland. And he's recruited well. He's brought in some good players as well. I think the sign in the Sloggett is a massive one for him. And I think Derry will do okay this year. I think they'll be much higher up the table than, than what they were last year. Briefly going into the first division, Al, um, Shelburne have had an unbelievable recruitment. Um, you would have to think that they're going to get promoted. Yeah, they'll be they'll be half favourites. Uh, now I watched them last week against Pat. Now I know it's only a preseason friendly, but it, I wasn't like I didn't walk out of the place thinking they're going to blow teams away. Now Pats were good, and they were missing a few shells, so you wouldn't really judge it on that. But certainly, as you say, the recruitment in Conan Byrne and Dan Byrne, Dan Byrne and uh, Morris coming in as manager. Kilduff is massive signing for a first division club as well. He played last week as well. So yeah, they'll be the half favourites and, and when you're putting in, I think there is a lot of investment going in. And um, they should be the favourites and they should be there'll be pressure on them, but they should be coming out of the league with those with the squad they've assembled. But that's a competitive division as we've seen. Longford Town done well last year. Fenny's gone in there and recruited signed Connor Kennedy during the week. Drada had a really good season under Tim Clancy and Kevin Doherty last year. Um, Galway under Alan Murphy I've seen they've signed a lot of players maybe they'll be different this year under him so I think that'll be competitive enough and then you have Bray who are obviously got relegated Graham and Gary Cronin's done a lot of good signings there and recruitment also so um, it'll be interesting to see I think the first division should be competitive enough but as you rightly say Shelburne will be the half favourites and it should be winning the league But with, with the first division like we're talking about the lack of promotion for the Premier Division but God love the first division. You don't hear anything about them. No, and, and I've been saying this for a long time now. Like if I was involved in the first division, you'd be pulling your hair out, especially fellas trying to support them financially because you'd wonder why bother because they just seem cut, cut adrift and cut aloof from everything. I'd go one big league. I've said this for a long time now. I'd, I'd make everybody feel part of the one big league. And if you had clubs like you have Cove there and you have Longford and Drod and these kind of clubs and um, at loan with, with huge history and tradition in the league if they knew Dundalk were coming to town or Shamrock Rovers only once a year that you were only playing teams home and away all of a sudden instead of them getting 200 at the match that we've seen in some of it like at loan getting 57 at the games all of a sudden you'd have 900 1000 at the matches and there's revenue coming in and they're able to feel part of something they're able to maybe grow the team grow the players bring in a better quality of player um, and I just think it would be a better spectacle overall if you went one big because we've tried everything now at this stage so why not try that and the argument I always get back is oh well you'll have teams hammering each other but sure look at the Premier League and you have Man City hammering teams down the bottom every league has a top team and a bottom team that's just the nature of football I think that's a, I think that's the only way and I think that's a perfect example of say Cove will get Rovers down once a season and they'll get a good yeah. gate that good gate could last a while Cove you look at Stephen Henderson there and Stephen's obviously um, very kind of public on Twitter and the work that he does at that club is unbelievable with Cove Ramblers and his wife was involved in all and tiresome work behind the scenes trying to help out um, and, and the club fighting fires constantly whereas if you says to them look it's going to be one big league now there has to be restrictions on it in terms of licensing and they have to meet a certain criteria and standard but I think all the clubs are trying to progress themselves now and meeting, meeting those standards and if some of them are not up to it, cut them adrift and I just go 16 teams, 
home and away. And as you say, imagine Dundalk going down to Cove and 1,500 people going to the match instead of getting 300 at the moment. And Shamrock Rovers, who travel in brilliant numbers going all over the country, imagine they were going for a weekend in Galway or a weekend um, in, in Athlone or Wexford or wherever they want to go, down to Cove, and, and 600 of them going down travelling. And all of a sudden, as I say, it's like one big league and everybody feels part of something and you could grow from there then instead of at the minute, as you say, you have the Premier and then it's like all, all the others in the First Division. And, and I wouldn't be one for just pushing for the Premier. I'd be for all the teams. I wouldn't just be one for one team. Lads, we're, we're, uh, we're running out of time here. So I'll just... Uh, I mean, when you look at it, I mean, the, the bookies have Dundalk as pretty much unbeatable. They're... they're, they're, they're uh, I don't even know if you could say favourites. They're more than favourites to win the league. Um, what do you reckon? Can anybody push them or are they unbeatable as the bookies seem to have it? I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't go unbeatable, to be honest with you, Dano. And the reason I say that is, as I touched on already, with the whole dynamic now with Stephen gone, Vinny taking over, like they have a brilliant team, brilliant club. We've praised them to the highest and rightly so over the last number of years. But it's just a different voice there now and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And... I think Shamrock Rovers have strengthened in areas that we've mentioned in midfield. They have a big opportunity this year, but the only little gripe I have with them is they haven't signed a centre forward and I think they need one, but I think they do have a good opportunity to close the gap and I think they need to close the gap. As I mentioned, 22 points and 25 points. If they're even 15 points behind this year, I think that will be a bit of a disaster, to be honest with you. Then you have Pats, who have made brilliant signings, um, I think they'll be a lot closer as well this year. So I just think the whole league in general will be a lot more competitive than what we've seen in recent times. And even though I probably still would tip Dundalk, I think they might only win it by six or seven points rather than 16 points this year. Right. I know Danny said we're running out of time, but I just wanted to get your thoughts on the Irish international setup with um, obviously Kenny, Stephen Kenny, under 21's manager, and McCarthy. Uh, oh, 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 hang on, hang on, Merrill. Sorry, hang on. Just before we move on to that bit, just uh, I'd be curious to see what the thoughts are, are around Rovers and what you think. Right. What you think they're going to do? Um, I think Rovers are going to win it. It's our year. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I'll have to move this podcast Brilliant. into the comedy section now. Come on, seriously. Well, I, do- <laughs> <laughs> no, I, do, I do. I do think they have to deliver a challenge. You'd agree with that, Graham, as well. Oh, absolutely. I think, I think, like you said, I think Stephen Bradley is under the duvet at this stage. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's like you were saying, you were getting stick a lot about criticising uh, the Rovers set up in, in as far as goalkeeper. Like the year before, we needed a goalkeeper, we needed a centre-back and it just seemed like we were doing it a year after we we were mm. identified. And when I say we identified, I mean the, the fans on the terraces were crying out for a centre-back and then they brought in Lee Grace halfway through the season. And then last season, we needed a goalkeeper. Uh, needed well, a goalkeeper season and a half and then Alan yeah. Manis came back. Uh, you know, so uh, you know. We've, well, the thing, we've the thing with me and, and even like a lot of the fans were agreeing with me, like in the and and that was because I couldn't believe, as you said, they needed a goalkeeper the end of the previous season. Then we went into the next season. They made a big hoo ha over signing Chichinsky back, and then the first night of the season, who I who I always felt he was never good enough. Then the first night of the season against Bowes and Daly Mount, he played Kevin Horgan. And I was kind of scratching my head saying, like, what, what's going on here? And, and then he ended well, up causing the point. Well, he contract before the semi-final against Dundalk. And then he screwed up against Dundalk. Mm. 
in the semi-final and then I'd say that's why Horgan was in again but like it just seemed bizarre to me because I, I didn't think either of them were good enough and you needed a goalkeeper now they've addressed it in the, in the off in the middle of the season with Manus and look at the difference in the team when you get a proper goalkeeper Oh, it's crazy. But I wouldn't give up t- totally on Kevin Horgan just yet either, though. No, no, I, I think... No, 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 no. He's a bit unsettled, but I think he's young, like... And uh, I think he has shown uh, maturity throughout the yeah. whole recruitment process. And he, I think he's a good, really good shot stopper. And I think he's got great potential. Uh, but apparently yeah, he's I got... Think, yeah, yeah, I think... No, that, yeah, in fairness, I was more critical along the lines of Chichinsky and... Obviously, yeah. it was unfair because Horgan was coming in as a young keeper. And there was a game, I remember at a game, I don't know who it was against, but he was outstanding one night. And he did quite well in that little period that he was in. But I just felt he, they needed, like, look at Gary Rogers and McNulty. Look at the experience they have. Yeah, they needed, they needed a man. Horgan was a man. Experience. And, but they've got signed, obviously, with Bazuna, uh, Gavin Bazuna going, he's probably going to go sooner than later. They brought in a new keeper, Leon Poles from Germany. So. Three, four keepers officially on the books at the moment. If it's true that Leon Pulse is, is signing and are in Vohish to forward, that's going to be the new Gary Twig, I'm sure of it. And then we're going to win the league and finish first. <laughs> and Bowes, a bit of, bit of luck, Bowes will be relegated. <laughs> yeah. um, I was just, as, as Danny brought us back there to the predictions I was asking about the, the Stephen Kenny Mick McCarthy arrangement what do you think of it and also do you think Mick McCarthy will employ Stecklin Rice to the green oil okay the first one um, on the appointment and the setup it was a strange one for me at the time um, and I was shocked that McCarthy was in agreement with it and still my gut tells me he's not in full agreement with it but he's happy to take it in terms of he's getting a good salary for a fellow who's out of work and he always felt as though and he always said he had unfinished business with Ireland so he said he was never going to turn it down if the, if the opportunity arose again but I'm not so sure how happy he is with the agreement and part of me because John Delaney was getting so much stick in the whole Irish setup after the O'Neill thing and everybody was calling for Stephen Kenny but I don't think they had the courage to give it to Stephen straight off because it's paramount that we qualify for the European Championships especially with us hosting three or four games and I don't think they were prepared to risk the fact that we may not. And that's why I just went, felt it went for McCarthy and a bit of safe pair of hands. But there's no guarantee in him getting us there either. So I would have went for Stephen Kenny. But now that we know how it's going to play out, I think it's absolutely brilliant for Stephen. Um, and I hope Mick does a good job. It's only going to be a short-term thing, which I think he's got his head around now. And I, I, everybody should just get behind the team now and hopefully they do qualify. But I think for Stephen... Uh, it's an unbelievable opportunity to know that you're going to go and manage your national team. It must be like he must wake up every day just thanking his lucky stars. And it's well-deserved and well-earned as well because he's been amazing at Dundalk. Absolutely. And can Mick McCarthy bring Declan Rice into the team? I flip-flopped on this what's one, Graham. What, what's your gut saying right now? Right now, at this moment, I don't think so. Whereas last week, I thought there was a great chance. And the reason being, <laughs> and there, this is the reason, honestly, I've thought so much about this. When he, when his head was turned, I thought, good luck. Once England come calling there, he's an English lad, to be fair to him, Southgate. You look at the young squad they have, they've done well in the World Cup. They're building towards maybe uh, eventually winning a ba- major tournament. I thought, there's no chance he's gone. The longer it went on then, and the change of manager, and Mick, Mick, coming in and Mick's a very likeable fella and everybody speaks so highly of him and then he said he went to meet him and they had a very positive meeting 
I thought to myself, he's back. We'll get him back now. And now you, now you look at him the last few games, he's been unbelievable for West Ham. And I'm looking at England and Southgate saying to themselves, they must have him tortured because there's no way, especially in the position he plays, England don't have a player as good as him, I don't think, in the centre midfield because they have Jordan Henderson and Dyer. And this fella has the potential to be a really, really top player. And I think they must be hounding him now. And the fact that it's dragging on and dragging on, surely he knows at this stage, why doesn't he just come out and say it uh, and let us all move on? And I'd be just a little bit fearful right now at this moment. Yeah, I think I'm the same. Danny, what about you and Declan Rice? Um, I think he's gone. I think he's going to declare for England. I just, I, I, If it was going to happen, it would have happened by now, I think. I have a pain to be bollocks with it, to be quite frank with you. I just wish it was over. <laughs> but I, I think the FAI tweeting his birthday thing, that just has massive potential to... Uh. Yeah, it's gonna be egg on our face. I think it was just a stupid yeah. thing to do. Like you know what I mean. So, uh, yeah. Right, yeah. Well, I have a theory on that as well, Danny. Because when they tweeted that, I'm sitting at home saying to myself, "Ah, oh, that's it. He's he's with us. There's no way they would tweet that unless they knew that he's he's committed to." Because as you say, if he commits to England now, there'll be an absolute laughing stock, and everybody will rehash that tweet and be laughing. So why would you set yourself up for that? So I'm saying to myself. Oh, he might, like it's going to, they're going to announce it in a day or two and here they go like, they're just teasing us with this and they're going to announce it but here we are what is it probably a month since his birthday two months since that tweet and it's still silent so I don't know yeah look I think the, look a horrible horrible decision for the FAI to tweet that about his birthday the FAI on mm. Twitter is about as good as Donald Trump on Twitter but um, <laughs> look he seems like a serious little baller like he seems like a quality quality player so obviously I'd love ah, to see him in the yeah. jersey and I'd love to see him being a massive part of Ireland's plans, but you look at the basket case that Ireland have had, you know what I mean? The, the, the O'Neill Keane team mm. towards the end was just a disaster. The FEI are a bit of a disaster. If I'm, if I'm looking at it and I'm him, and you, you see what Southgate has done, he seems to have a lot of backing there, and he seems to have turned things around for English football in many ways in terms of the international setup. It'd be hard not to go with Southgate, because he does seem to be a reasonable bloke. He seems to be you know doing a good job, so... I, w- I wouldn't begrudge him if those happened, but I, th- I, th- I think he's going to declare for England. I think, yeah, he's doing great work, Southgate. And to be fair, I don't think we can have too much kind of anger towards him because at the end of the day, he's an English lad, you know. He's grown up in England, London. I'd, I'd agree. And that's that. what gives me that's what gives me a bit of hope, though, is that his dad, I think, is really pushing for it, you know. Yeah, because his dad yeah. went, to, went to Paris, wasn't it? Or to what was the away fixture he played? I in think his dad, dad always to... wanted him. To I think his dad always wanted him to play with Ireland, so um, I think he's the one pushing for that. And like all the sound bites Rice had said up to now as well, he was mad for it, you know. So it's just the fact that as Danny said, the fact that it's dragged on. The fact that it's dragged on, I agree with both you. I also agree with both you in that I wouldn't blame him to a certain extent about picking England, but at the same time, I would feel a level of disappoint disappointment considering he's played for the senior team. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think I think. For, that, uh, but I think that I think to be fair to him as well, though Graham, that's more uh, a flaw with the system. That's wrong. Like yeah. I think if you play with the senior team. That that should be it. That's it. Present Ireland under twenty ones or whatever. Whatever about under fifteen, where young fellas still don't know maybe their own mind or whatever. But certainly when you get to the stage where you're at under twenty one level, and if you represent a country, I think that should be it. Like you should know. Then yeah. I'm either Irish or I'm English or I'm Welsh or whatever, whatever the case may be. I agree. So we'll finish on Declan Rice. He better be, but we better be playing for Ireland when the squads are announced for March. Okay, the next time I talk to you lads, 
hopefully he's playing for Ireland and we're all singing Rice, Rice Baby. <laughs> <laughs> Love it, Al. We'll leave it on that note. You're an absolute gentleman. It's been a pleasure, lads. It's been an hour. That hour's flown by. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Oh, Al, thanks me and, and lads, don't forget you can check out Al on uh, Soccer Republic uh, on Mondays and on Game On and 2FM. Uh, great listen. So Al, thanks Absolutely. me. Absolutely. Thanks a million, lads. That was Al and Merno and sometimes me. And again, sorry if it would sound a little bit off compared to usual. But look, we got there in the end. <sighs> nah, that's doing edits on a Sunday morning. If I'm editing on a Sunday morning, it means something's gone horribly wrong. So there you go. Anyway, look, uh, that's it for this week. We'll be back again next week, as always. Um, you can check out all our previous episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbeam, Podcast Republic, Podcast Addict, Spotify, anywhere and everywhere there's a podcast, you can go to WTS Pod and you'll find us at WTS Pod on Twitter. And uh, we don't really use Facebook anymore, but WTS Pod forward slash Ireland or no, Facebook.com forward slash WTS Pod Ireland. Jesus, lads. He's at Merrigamania. I'm at Dan Joe Murray. Um, Alka on Twitter as well. And um, check out Soccer Republic and check out Game On at 2FM if you want to hear more from Al because he's an absolute gent. Until next week, lads. Clear eyes. Full hearts can't lose. Unless you're Robert, then you're definitely losing.